Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist. You know what? I got to learn to press record on a whole bunch of things is what I just realized. I, I'm great at recording stuff on the computer, but then the mixer itself, I, I got to do a whole bunch of things. Anyway, That's take, right. take two. two. All my fault. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda, and it's Monday night. We are recording from the bedroom because, as you all know, Toronto, Ontario is still in a stay-at-home. Well, all of Ontario is in a stay-at-home order, and we are talking to someone tonight who is not um, in a lockdown. We're talking to Kelly, who is a massage therapist and Reiki master in Orlando, Florida. And as anybody who listens to the podcast regularly knows, Florida is Mark's happy One place. One of my happy places, yeah. So he's, uh, he's going to be living vicariously through you tonight, Kelly, since we are not allowed to leave our bedroom, really. <laughs> I can't believe that. It's so crazy. Well, I am masked up. Um, I'm, I am a social distancer. I wear my mask, but Florida is pretty much business as usual. Yeah. Um, and it is it is crazy. Like our theaters opened up two days ago wow. and you're on stay at home order. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insane. It's, uh, it's crazy. It's interesting. Yeah. And then there's other parts of the world where volcanoes are going nuts. So and uh, oh, they're trying God. to evacuate an island. Oh, but only the people who have their COVID vaccine. Oh, Don't get me started. Okay. Don't get me started. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk no, about we got something Kelly. way more important to talk about. Yes. So um, Mark uh, just happened to tell me, I guess, I don't know, it was probably a couple of weeks ago now, that he invited Kelly on the podcast because she was doing something really cool. So I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to let her talk about it. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about her and find out a little about her background and why she is so passionate about what she's doing. And I guess for anybody that wants to get involved and know more, she's going to give us all the details. So Kelly, thanks for hanging out with us so late on a Monday night. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really I'm honored to be here and contribute to the show. This is cool. Awesome. Well, why don't we start with an introduction? Give our listeners um, a little bit of your backstory, how long you've been practicing as a massage therapist and how long you've been doing Reiki and uh, what got you into this job? So um, I have been practicing Reiki for 14 years. And let's see, we're 2021. So I've been doing massage for 11 years, 12 years. Okay. Um, so Reiki is what got me into massage. And it was through um, my own personal healing journey. Um, actually, this is so crazy, but I got in a car accident got my back injured, started getting massage therapy and I was feeling things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what am I feeling? Why do I feel this electricity going through my body? And why am I thinking about my mom when you're massaging my shoulder? And um, my massage therapist was just totally floored that I could feel any of that. So that opened me up to Reiki and that kind of helped me work through my own personal stuff. So I was raised in an abusive home. Uh, my mom kind of had a lot of trauma and that got passed down to me. My mom's not a bad person or anything. It was just, she didn't know how to cope and be, you know, the best parent she could be. So a lot of stuff happened and Reiki helped me really deal with all of that. It helped me find love for myself. It helped me find my inner peace. And so I went to massage school because I wanted to practice Reiki professionally. And here in the state of Florida, you need to have a massage license to be a professional Reiki person. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Did a bunch of massage things that I really didn't intend on doing, but it's it's been a very rewarding journey um, personally and with what I've been able to facilitate with clients. The experience that you had with massage that originally got you into, into Reiki, is everybody capable of an experience like that? I personally think so. Okay. So... For me, I, I think 
I think energy work is like a sport, like basketball, right? Everybody can play basketball, but not everybody's Michael Jordan. Right. Uh, so everyone can open up to energy work. Um, everybody can perform and facilitate energy work, whatever you want to call it, Reiki, Qigong, whatever. Mm -hmm. But not everyone is going to be super interested in it. And not everyone's going to have that natural ability to feel it and tune into it. So there is something special about people that Reiki, receiving Reiki does something for them. And then people that are Reiki masters that they're, okay, cool. Every person I've ever met that does energy work, um, they seem to have like a similar characteristic. And they always tell me that they've they've just had this ability to feel things. Like I, I know one of the women I know who does energy work, she said, it's always been there. I didn't really know what it was, but she's like, I just feel things. I sense things. Like I, there's just something mm -hmm. that, you know, even when somebody walks into her room, it's like she can, she feels their energy. She picks up on it. Like just being very sensitive to all the energy around her. Right. And I, I somewhat understand, but I don't, I've also never had Reiki done to me. So I don't know what I would feel, but we just had somebody on the podcast uh, the other night or recently who was saying um, something similar to you, how she had sort of like an emotion, an emotional release on the table. And that's something that neither myself or Mark have experienced either. So like all of this is sort of Interesting. new to us. I feel like I'm, I'm fairly intuitive. I, I definitely believe in energy work if that's the right word you know there's people who are like you know they don't believe in it like as <laughs> as if it's a ghost yeah. um, I definitely <laughs> believe in it um, but I don't have any personal experience to say like okay I understand what that would feel like or you know what what the person on the table's feeling or what the practitioner feels that's a whole other world for me what percent of the population do you think can feel those things readily and then the other half just think everyone's a wackadoodle like <laughs> What percentage is the wacky? Are you asking me or Kelly? You're staring at I'm me asking, very well, intensely. Because I can't stare at her through my freaking phone. We don't. It's not video. You don't normally look at me so intently when you ask a question. What That's percentage what... of the population do you think is open? That 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 they are open. It doesn't even. And does it have to be a conscious opening or is it subconscious? I'm I imagine gonna, it has let to be subconscious. Kelly answer that first okay, so, because she understands energy so then, much more than I do. So then I would say, what part of the population? And I know we're just making shit up here. No one has these natural numbers. Just looking for your opinion. What part of the population what percentage of the population will accept this type of stuff having it having it done to them and then will react in a way that hey you're in you you're you're an energy work person you know what i'm getting at sort of yeah. you're you're saying a lot so, of words but kelly seems to understand you thank god <laughs> yeah i got i got you so um amanda i have a question for you uh, after i'm going to answer mark's question first but then i have a question for you because i bet you you have felt energy work and you just might not be thinking about it that way um, You're but probably to right. answer your question, I'm <laughs> I am going to call on the Thompson rule. So it's probably something you haven't heard of. But my mentor has this thing called the Thompson rule, and it's introduced by this man, Larry Taylor Thompson. And he talks about people's desire levels and he breaks it down into 80, 15 and five. And pretty much everything is 80, 15 and five. If you think about your client base right now, you have 80 percent of people who they get their massage, you know, whatever. You have 15% of people that they come regularly, they're excited about it. And then you have 5% of people that they want you to help them be at their absolute best. They do every homework. They're there every session. They don't miss a beat. They're writing reviews. Like it's 80, 15 and five. And most things are divvied that way. So I'd, I'd apply the same thing here and say, probably about 80% of people don't really care about it or 
or consciously tune into it. Probably about 15% of people that are working with it and kind of like, okay, I feel something. I don't know what that is, but okay. Um, some people call energy the Holy Spirit. And, you know, some people freak out when you say that. I don't mean to offend anyone, mm -hmm. but my first spiritual experiences were in church. And I only had the word Holy Spirit. I didn't know what it was, but I felt presence. I felt something that inspired me deeply and moved me on a deep level. Hmm. Energy work feels the same for me. And then I would say there's probably 5% of people who are like me and they just want to dive in and really open up to that world and they want to teach it and talk about it. And, you know, we're the, the weird, the woo woo ones, you know, mm -hmm. I so badly want to be the woo woo one. So ask me your question. Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Have you ever walked into a room and you're like, it feels tense in here. Like they, we even have the expression, you can cut the tension with a yeah, knife. So no, I can feel energy. That's sorry. What I, what I was saying is I've never actually like booked a session with a Reiki master and had someone do energy work. Okay. On oh, gotcha. Can I feel energy? A hundred percent. I have had, sorry, I, I guess I should say one time I had somebody, um, I went in for a cranial sacral right. session, but she also does mm -hmm. energy work and, I fell asleep. Okay. So I fell asleep. It was supposed to be an hour session. I woke up and two hours had gone by. I have no idea. Mm. She then said to me like that she did some energy work, but I was sleeping. Okay. So I then woke up and for the rest of that night, I felt like I had been hit by a truck. Like it was the worst possible thing I could have imagined. I felt horrible. But I went to her with um, neck pain because I had gone to a whole bunch of other practitioners. I'd seen chiropractors. I'd seen massage therapists. I And I'd done all of everything I thought I could do. And my neck wasn't improving. So she said, you know, like kind of can I take a crack at it? We were just friends. Like it wasn't even an official appointment. It was just in passing like, hey, I have some time. Come get on my table. Like, all right. She did something. I don't know what she did. I was asleep. She even said when, you know, the session was over, she's like, oh, I think I lost you there. I'm like, yeah, I was totally asleep. So I don't know what she did, but I felt horrible that night. The next day I had no neck pain, but that entire night I was like, mm. I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. It was awful. Like I would never want to recreate the feeling directly after <laughs> but then the next day I was fantastic so I don't know what I felt so but yeah I've never intentionally booked a session to really know what I would feel but do I feel energy yes like Mark will tell you I'm actually very sensitive to that I get overwhelmed very easily I get I am very sensitive to like noises sometimes too much stimulation like all, all of those things like I understand that but to actually see somebody and them say, I'm going to do whatever, this Reiki with you. I, I don't know what that feels like. You Never also vibrate at a frequency that fucks up electronic equipment. Yes, yes I do. <laughs> I fuck up all the electronics. <laughs> Any electronics around me, they will stop working if I'm in the vicinity. I don't know. <laughs> That's interesting. So for me, Reiki, you know, Reiki is just like a color. It's, it's energy work is energy work, whether it's Reiki, Qigong, even cranial sacral is energy work. Um, okay, so a, then I have intentional, had it. Yeah, I mean, maybe you haven't had Reiki, but I would say that there's no one specific feeling with Reiki. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to feel different from person to person. And I think that's one of the reasons why science has such a hard time with energy work, because you can't pin it down. It's not consistent. Like even if you were coming to me for sessions, each session would be different. Mm -hmm. Um, and what, you know, you may have had some crazy release when I was working on your 
heart chakra the first session and the next session I'm working on your heart chakra and you feel nothing. So it's not very duplicatable. It's very ethereal. So energy work gets into those, you know, those weird realms. But if you're sensitive that way to me, like you have experienced it, um, maybe just not for the the healing quote unquote right. <laughs> purposes. Yeah, definitely. And like I said, I understand when people say to me, like, I feel things. I know that, you know, a lot of people who are hmm. very hardcore science right now are going to roll their eyes when I say this. But um, Mark has known since the time we've met that I base pretty much every decision in my entire life just off of a gut feeling. I don't like do research and do pros and cons and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I feel like this is what we have to do. And I would say majority of the time, if not all the time, it works out. It's the right way. It's the right way to go. So it's hard. It's hard for me (laughs) to not to not believe in energy and intuition. Do you think you put an extra effort to make it work out because you threw it out into the universe that this is what it's going to be? Maybe, maybe I do. But either way, it works. (laughs) I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering. And but isn't that still isn't that still energy? Yeah, and that's still energy, Mm -hmm. right? I'm just wondering about it out. I'm just asking about yeah, totally. What steps happen where? That's all. Mm -hmm. Nothing more. (laughs) Well, and if you want to get really scientific with it, you're talking about potential energy turning into kinetic energy, right? A resting energy that becomes a movement is a thought followed up with action. Right. And then if you want to go on the quantum level, when we get into the the energetics with the quantum world, it's just a crazy, wacky world down there. Um, So I know a lot of science people do roll their eyes very hard at it, but I have a very um, scientific approach and thought behind what I do more than like a a spiritual part. There is a spiritual component, but I understand it as, as particles and electron movements and um, how our intent interacts with the energetic nature of our universe. And that's why I really think anybody can do it. And it's not something that's necessarily superficial. And that's why I go back to that basketball thing where, you know, everybody can play basketball, but man, you you cannot be Michael Jordan. (laughs) You have to have that little something extra to be on that level. I just don't even understand why all the science people roll their eyes. Your fucking your your fucking brain is so complicated. No one fucking understands it. Why the hell isn't all this shit possible? Right? Isn't it just real? Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's where I don't understand. I don't why understand all these science people go fucking, totally. fucking nuts? So no, just, I, I don't understand. Your brain it is either. fucking crazy. That's it. That's the answer. So anything's possible at this point. And there is a, there is enough science. Yes. And like I mean, science science people understanding energy. Of course they do. Like it, there's enough science that you could apply the fundamentals of what you know and sort of make sense of it. And, you know, if we're willing to say when it comes to something like manual therapy, that there's certain things that we can't 100% predict how the outcomes are going to turn out because we're working with a different person and a different nervous system and a different set of circumstances, oh, mm-hmm. then why can't we accept that when it comes to energy work that everybody's going to have different outcomes because we're talking about energy and there's so many variables when when it comes to energy, even, you know, from day to day. So I, I don't see why there should be eye rolls, but yes, there's eye rolls and that's okay. It is something for everybody. It's all good. You guys just all, you don't realize it, but, but you just all right now help me better understand the Sheldon character from Big Bang Theory. And now I understand his evolution a little bit. I never <laughs> thought about it up until right this second. So thank you. Thank you, all you people. I don't know how we helped you. <laughs>
I never liked the Sheldon. I don't character. know either. Like, I never liked the Sheldon character okay. on that show, Mister Super Science. I never liked the Sheldon character, but at the end of the show, he's not the same person he was at the beginning. No, of the he show. evolves exactly as humans do. Exactly, exactly. But I never noticed all that because I never paid attention to the show very much. And this little conversation, talking about science and people accepting science and not accepting science, accepting other things and making sense of these things, and I look at the show with Mister Super Science and how he becomes a different person who is not all about super science at the end of the day. Oh, yes, because at the beginning of the show, I mean, I didn't watch the entire series, but at the beginning of the show, um, human emotion and feelings made absolutely no sense exactly. to him and had no room in his life exactly. because there was nothing that could be explained by science. Emotions weren't logical because he is Spock. That's right. <laughs> okay. And at the end? And at the end, he gets married. You're right. See? Never really thought of that. Thank you, guys. Now I'll go back and watch all those fucking shows that I really didn't think I liked, and maybe it'll seem different now. All right, Kelly, we did something. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but we did something. Yay. <laughs> so since since you've been practicing Reiki for 14 years, um, are you open to sharing any story? Like, I mean, you've sort of shared about your story, but any like standout moments for you in your practice of things that you've experienced, you know, as the practitioner, like doing energy work, some things that you've seen. Anytime we have a therapist on who does something a little bit different and something that might raise some eyebrows or roll some eyes, whatever it is. I'd like them to tell some sort of stories about clinical outcomes, maybe for people to understand what actually is possible in this realm of therapy. Sure. So um, the first thing that comes to mind is um, I got referred to go to somebody. Um, her mother was suffering from Bell's palsy and it was very painful. Um, you know, half the face was paralyzed and she said that she felt like pins and needles through her whole face, down into her tongue. I mean, she was crying because she was in pain. And I got there and I really didn't, at first didn't know how I was going to approach the situation. And I just started with doing some very gentle Reiki holds. And then I also do cranial sacral therapy. So I did a couple cranial holds, but it was more the Reiki release and just kind of holding. And by the end of maybe 45 minutes or so, she's really crying and I am reaching down and asking her, you know, are you okay? Do, are you uncomfortable? Would you like me to stop? And she says, my face, I can feel my face moving and my pins and needles are gone. Wow. I just like, I just like legitimately got goosebumps as you said that like 45 minutes and she could feel her face. Yeah. Like, I, and you know, I was astonished by, I believe in what I do. It's not like I don't believe in it, but you, I didn't have that expectation that it was going to work that quickly um, or that she would have that kind of immediate relief. And she did. And I did um, a temporal ear pull, which if I remember correctly, the temporal pull works on whichever cranial nerve is affected with Bell's palsy. Um, so, you know, that combined with Reiki, I don't know, but what what exactly happened but um that was a very powerful moment for me in in what i was doing wow that's incredible and i love those kind of stories because those are the things that as a clinician you can't guarantee 
those outcomes. You can't guarantee that somebody's mm-hmm, going to get right. pretty much anything. But I mean, it's the same in manual therapy. I can't guarantee, I don't fix people, right? And I think that's the part where we could all probably coexist a little more peacefully together, whether you're somebody who does more spiritual work, more energy work, more biomechanical work, you know, whatever whatever it is you do, we could all coexist much more happily if everybody was just willing to accept that, you know, for some people, this therapy is going to be fabulous. And for some people, this therapy is going to be fabulous. And don't focus so much on, well, this is what this says. And this is what the, yeah, I mean, we all have our own evidence. That's why we do, we have an evidence-informed practice, but we don't have to shoot down other therapies. Like I've heard people say they don't like to hear um, you know, people making these sort of outlandish claims. And I, th- I think I can get on board with that and agree with that. Like, you're not going to now start advertising, I can cure Bell's palsy if you come right. see me. But right. it's a cool notion that it it's possible. You've seen it happen. Is it going to happen with everybody? No. Are you going to tell somebody with Bell's palsy, don't worry, we can fix this in 45 minutes? No. But, no. but, but does it take away from the experience that was there? No, exactly. It doesn't. It, that's really cool. Right. So awesome. I want to go back to this 80, 15, five, because ever since you said it, <laughs> I've been thinking about all of my clients and I'm like kind of getting on board with this 80, 15, five thing. Um, when Mark asked how many people would be, what was your question? Percentage how many people of the would population. Be, percentage of the population that would be open to it. That, that consciously or subconsciously are open to this and therefore can receive it. Yeah. Um, when she said that 80, 15, five, when I really started thinking about it, I, I, I never would have like put those numbers together, but I was going to say before you said that, that there's actually quite a small percentage of the population that right now, without having experienced anything like this, without having actually felt energy before, very small percentage that would be just be ready and open and think that this is the greatest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. A very large percentage are going to be skeptics. So that's that 80%. And then you've got a teeny tiny population, that 5% that swear that this is the only thing that works. So mm-hmm. I think that 80, 15, five thing, there's something to it. Mm. I, I like that. I'm going to start applying that to everything. <laughs> so interesting. And you will find it in, in everything. It's fascinating. Who's the type of person that is like, mm, I'll try it. Um, describe that person to me. Describe that's the person. the 15. Yeah, that's the 15. Yeah, describe that person. Hey, I'll try it. Yeah. Um, What's that person like? Just so I know if I have any of those as friends. I immediately go to like my ideal client. So my ideal client. But um, I would say like, most people who are going to hang out at yoga studios, people who, uh, this is so funny, like probably anybody. It's like every stereotype, foods. every stereotype. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Like all those stereotypes, but I mean. So it's me. It's me. It's the person who buys organic food. It's the person who buys the supplements. It's the person who does yoga. It's the person who teaches their clients about meditation and breathing. It's me. It's me. I am the person. And also, um, so we used to do a lot of events here and we had a big spiritual festival and we marketed it to people that listen to electronic music because we knew that people that were going to festivals, regardless of how it's happening, they're having this spiritual experience. They're tapping in with their spiritual energy through different places and times and things. Um, And we ended up having like a whole bunch of 20 year olds, like very young kids at our event, having these awakenings in yoga classes and meditations. And I had the old school generation asking me, how did you do this? How did you get the young crowd out here? Um, So I'd also say pretty much 
anybody who's into counterculture, things that are like a little bit out of the ordinary or different. Or we, I feel like those are, <laughs> yeah, those are open-minded, but open-minded individuals would yes. be open to this type of experience. Yeah, definitely. People who are, who are open to trying something, even if it might not work, it can't hurt me. Right. Gotcha, so gotcha. I'll check right. I'm just curious, just curious who that person might be. Are you that person, Mark? Would no, you be I open to so. I didn't think so. No, am I, am I that person in general? <laughs> no. Am I, it, would I be open to this? I mean, I, I, I'm not opposed to it. Let's but you wouldn't, like you wouldn't go I wouldn't expecting go, anything. I wouldn't go seek it out. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't expect anything, but if it happened to fall in my lap one day, I'd be like, okay, sure. Why not? Would you be, um, scared's not the right word. What's like the next level, like not quite scared, but like timid to do something like this no. since you don't like no. the idea of anything like no. fucking with your brain? No, what I don't like is I don't like the possibility of hallucinating. Okay. I don't like the possibility of feeling like mm. I, I can't control what I'm thinking. And so I don't feel like this would happen right, okay. in this scenario. Okay. That's why I won't like take, I would never ayahuasca, mushrooms, none of that shit. I don't want to fucking so hallucinate. Funny. Okay, wait. Can we go there for a second? Of course we can. Like of course we can. No. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I had that fear and I said those very same words before I ever had a hallucinogenic experience. And it was my worst fear. And I was like, I do not want to lose control. Um, also you guys, I shared at the top of the show, you know, I grew up in an abusive environment, so I didn't want to have like flashbacks or weird, weird things. And this is, you know, long time ago, but when I started opening up to that world, is when I really started remembering how much of the spirituality, if you want to call it spirituality that I had to me and how many spiritual experiences I had throughout my life. Okay. Um, and it's like, it became a very healing therapeutic experience. I didn't do ayahuasca. That wasn't the thing back then. I didn't misuse anything that, right, you know, right. I was experimenting with, but I had some very enlightening experiences to help me understand that there's so much more to this world and not just on a thought level on really like an emotional understanding kind of soul level that there is a soul, there is a spirit, there is this energy and this force that's connecting us. And it became something more tangible. Um, but I had the same fear. I'm just staring at Mark, <laughs> waiting to see if what? he'll, if he'll say like, okay, maybe, but no. I, I, oh, I'm not trying to convince oh, no, you. No, no, that's no, not, I, you know, that's no, not no. There's no convincing. No, of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I just don't. I just think it's interesting. Well, I mean, and I've heard those stories too. We had someone on our couch the other day that yeah. said, like, you know, she, 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 she was doing shrooms with some dude and she was fucking stoned out of her tree, but she just felt like super clear. She's like, I didn't even feel mm-hmm. fucking high. Like, <laughs> but I just know I was just so clear. I was she, more clear than I'd ever been before. She went there for that experience though. She went there. Um, he was recommended to her by a friend to help her uh, quit some of her addictive behaviors. And uh, oh, that's cool. And it worked. But then yeah. I've also heard the other stories of people fucking hallucinating weird shit. And it doesn't have to be scary weird shit that's real, like like my past or things that have happened in the past. It could be just fucking weird shit. Period. That I just <laughs> like that's too fucking freaky for me. And that's something that I feel like I just don't want to. I don't want to experience that because once I don't know the level of control I would have with that. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? I don't even like to fucking be 
be in an elevator. Because if this elevator stops, it is completely on my beyond my control. What the hell is going to happen next? He won't go right? horseback oh, riding. So we, we will never have fucking pets. unpredictable. Basically, any four legged animal yeah. running around. I'm going to jump yeah. on its back. Are you crazy? Yeah. I don't know what this horse is thinking. Oh my gosh, <laughs> this is so interesting. So okay, I don't know if you've heard this either, but this is something. So I've been under deep mentorship for the past two years from this man who's just blown my mind on a lot of levels, and he says. If you do the thing that you're the most afraid of, okay, with uh, a little bit of logic and sense, right? I'm not telling anybody to go do really super crazy things, but riding a horse, for example, if you do those things that you're afraid of, that's when you start to have the most growth in your life. See, the weird thing for me is I wouldn't even classify that as something I'm afraid of. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I have, it's not like I just have no desire. It's for, for okay, that's different. I'm not, I'm not a psychologist, but the reason I brought up the horses and the fact that we, you know, don't own pets or whatever. Mark's not a fan of not having control. And when you bring in factors like that, like even having a dog, I don't know what a dog you lose, thinks. You lose a little bit of control, right? Like my yeah. dog's doing shit. I don't know why That's you're awesome. doing it. If my yeah. daughter does stuff. I can, I can, I can understand why she's doing something. When yeah. this dog is doing whatever, I don't know what you're thinking. I'm not a fucking canine. I don't understand. <laughs> I look like oh, Caesar Land to so you. I, yeah. I might look like Caesar Land, but I ain't Caesar Land. No, he's got to be in control all the time. So, like we did an episode mm-hmm. way back. Um, I was I was contacted by somebody um, in our neighborhood who had just opened a float spa and offered me, I guess mm-hmm. because I'm a massage therapist in the neighborhood, offered me and a guest to come and do a free float. So of course, my first instinct is to ask Mark. I was like, hey, we can go to this place and we can float. And he was like, are you fucking crazy? Why would I want to be in a chamber <laughs> that cuts off all of my senses where I have no, and he started thinking like, I, you know, I'm going to lose control of my brain. It it's it's going to open parts of my brain that are not supposed to be opened. And so anyway, needless to say, he didn't come it's with me. So I brought another friend along with yeah. me. It's, I think, I think that. it's more of a control thing. You need to 100% be, the, be the driver. It's a lot of control and, and being, from, being familiar. My brain has never had the sensation of getting getting cut off of sound, sight, proprioception, all this shit at the same fucking time. I don't want that. Well, you're also claustrophobic. You're also claustrophobic. Well, okay, so that's why float's kind of safe though because like you can just push the thing open and get out of it. Yeah. I actually did freak out a little bit when I first got in cuz sure really? they took me they See? took me for the tour. It was my first time, right? So they took me for the tour and they showed me, you know, they showed me the tank first and they showed me, you know, where the button is if I want to turn on a light or open the door or whatever, you know, just to make sure that I felt safe and I was in control. So I get in and I guess I just, you know, once I'm in there and it's completely dark, I can't see a Mm -hmm. thing. I just wanted to test it. I wanted to find the button to open the door just so I had the peace of mind of knowing if I need to, I know exactly where it is. So... I start putting my hand where I think the button is and I feel something there. Like there is something and I'm pushing and pushing and nothing is happening. I start fucking freaking out. Yeah, I was just pushing on the wrong thing. It was like two inches above that. And then I found it and I was fine. And the rest of the hour was wonderful. But the first five minutes were torture. That's really funny. I love floating. I think floating is is awesome. But and I definitely did the same exact thing the first time. I was like, where's the exit thing? Where's the button? I need to press it. But Thankfully, I I found it. I didn't get stuck like you did. Uh, That's terrifying. Exactly. But you made it through. Fucking terrifying. I survived, but there was at least 45 (laughs) seconds where I was certain that's how I die. And as I'm getting older, that claustrophobia thing is getting way worse. It's getting So you got to face it. I mean, we're not here to, to like 
pull you apart or psychoanalyze you. But if it bothers you, then that's something that, you know, you have the opportunity yeah, to face. It hasn't gotten to the point of bothering me yet. It's, it's, it's thrown a couple little inconveniences around, but it hasn't got to the point of like, fuck, I hate this claustrophobia sensation. The only time yeah. it's ever interfered with your life is Mark has been scheduled for numerous MRIs uh, because of his back. He has two disc herniations. And uh, one time we even made it as far as us getting there, him getting into the hospital gown and then saying, yeah, nope, and leaving. <laughs> We got there yeah. though. We got to the hospital, and I used to do the I used to do the MRIs. No problem. It was it well? It wasn't a problem. It was still I still hated it, but it wasn't like now. Now I'm like I'm not even go. What that that small little space? No, you know what it was. It was when it was when they have... told him that he had to wear um, earplugs because the machine's very loud. And he said, no, I'm not wearing the earplugs. Because the last time I didn't have to wear the earplugs. Yeah, and, and they, now they're like, you have to. They I'm were like, no, not I budging on that. that. They said, earplugs or you're not doing it. And he's like, all right, see ya. He walked out. You take away too many of my senses and my abilities to do stuff. And then I freak out. Like, I can freak out in my mind. I can freak out in my mind just by the thought of my two fingers taped together. Just the thought of my two fingers taped together makes me inside fucking go mental. Yeah. Because it's like, I can't, I can't, what, I can't open up my fingers if I want to? What, I can't get air between those two guys? Like, it, it just freaks me out. It freaks me out. We've just given Kelly a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> I'm intrigued, actually. It's very interesting. <laughs> She's like, wait a second. I thought I was supposed to be telling you about my work. <laughs> my brain is a oh, complicated no. place mean, to be. It is. My brain is a complicated place to be. I feel like there's way too many, not way too many, because that implies there's too many. There's. I feel like there's a lot of corridors you can go down that lead to a lot of different rooms. <laughs> and I feel it's just it's a little complicated up there. It's interesting, though. At least once a week, I say to him, it must be so hard being in there. <laughs> oh, poor Mark. Yeah, we're not here to analyze you. We'll stop now. That's cool. No, I, I think we all have those, you know, corridors. We all have a fun amount of things to explore in weird, crazy places in our brain. So you're not alone. No, you're definitely not alone. I am highly influenced. Like, you can show me, you can show me, like, pretty strong evidence on one side of an argument and I'll be like, oh yeah, oh, that makes total, yeah, totally. That like, that's what I think now. And then five minutes later, show me some research that is completely like contradicting the first piece of research you showed me. And I'm like, oh, well that makes so much sense. Okay. Yeah. No, that's what I think now. It's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that would be, I, I think I have a little bit of that going on too, but now I've, I've come to understand everything's an idea and allowing for that fluidity is helpful because I don't have to attach to any of them. Absolutely. It's just an idea. I yeah. love that. I'm going to steal that one too. I'm stealing 8015.5. away. 8015.5 well, is now mine. mine. So well, yeah, that's yours. Yep. That's I'm going to use that one now and um, <laughs> everything's an idea. Sure. Think awesome. what you want to think. It's just your idea. Means nothing I'm so to glad me. I could bring some value to you. Love that. <laughs> so uh, yeah, let's, let's go back to where we were yeah, before <laughs> I fucked that up. Sorry. <laughs> you so did not. No, you did not. Um, you've sort of now alluded twice to the fact that um, your upbringing was not maybe what people would classify as ideal growing up in an abusive environment. Um you don't have to give any details about that, but I assume that has inspired you to get into what we originally were going to talk about tonight. So do you do you kind of want to go down that path and tell everybody what it is that you are up to now and uh, what this fundraiser is for that you're 
you're involved with? Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Um, so, uh, I won't dip into the details, but I think it's important to know that, um, you know, what I went through was pretty normal and that, um, my mom just had some stuff go on in her life and she wasn't well equipped to be the best parent she could be. But gratefully, um, I had a lot of other uh, loving people in my life, aunts, uncles, neighbors, um, you know, cousins and things like that. And that does lead me to the fundraiser. So the fundraiser that I'm doing is for an organization called Prevent Child Abuse America. So April is National Child Abuse Awareness Month. Um, and the organization provides tools for parents like my mom. They teach, they have support groups for them. They teach them parenting tips. They teach them about child developmental stages, um, and they help them to learn how to be better parents. They also work a lot with child advocacy groups here in Florida and in talking about people being allies, um, and about how, if you have a niece or a nephew or a neighborhood kid or something like that, and you think that things might be going on, you can just be a positive force in that child's life and share words of encouragement and uplifting and things like that. So that's really why I wanted to do the fundraiser um, was because I wouldn't be me if I didn't have all of those people and my mom included. My mom really did the best job that she could. Um, and so, you know, my upbringing made me who I am and I'm grateful for it, even though it was not ideal as you put it. So, um, we have a fundraiser going on and we have two components. So we actually are doing a lip sync contest. That's the fun part. So, um, <laughs> now until Thursday, I'm, I'm uh, accepting lip sync video submissions and I've already gotten a few and they've been wacky and fun and amazing. Um, and people are doing that to promote the fundraiser itself. And then we're collecting donations. A hundred percent of what we're collecting is going directly to prevent child abuse awareness uh, in Florida. And it's just a fun little thing that I wanted to do to give back. That's really cool. And I mean, I guess anybody can be um, empathetic to a cause like that. I, I have children. So even like even hearing the words child ab abuse, like it, it, it just a little part of me cringes like I, you know, I can't. I, I don't like to think about the fact that there are kids that are living in homes that are, for lack of the better a better term, but less than ideal, that they don't have or that they don't have support people, right? There are some kids who mm -hmm. are going through whatever they're going through and don't have anybody. So whatever it is that you're doing, we are all here for it. How would how would people get involved in this. I mean, we are recording this, I guess, a little bit too close to the deadline for uh, the lip sync contest, which I want to know more about because that's amazing. <laughs> but just for when pe when this does air and people hear it, how can they help out if they want to? You can definitely hit me up on Facebook. So um, we only doing first name here or can I share my whole name? Absolutely. You can share, share, like. whole, share everything. Okay. So um, probably that's the easiest way. The fundraiser is being run through Facebook directly because they do give 100%. So if you find me on Facebook, Kelly Raya, R-A-I-A, Light, Kelly Raya Light, um, I can send you over the link and you can donate directly to the fundraiser um, and also watch the fun lip sync videos. Why lip syncing? Like who came up with that idea? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, all right, there is more backstory to this. So last year I went on a reality show 
right before COVID lockdown happened. And part of what we did was a fundraiser. And we raised like, I don't know, $16,000 for March of Dimes in 30 minutes. But there was two teams competing. Yeah, it was crazy. So these two teams competing, we raised this money, everything through social media and online. We were on the phones calling people and doing these things. Um, But I got knocked out of the competition in the fundraising battle. Like my, I presented a fundraiser and it, it just fell flat. But in college, I was the fundraising chair for my sorority. She's like, how did I lose or- this? <laughs> no, seriously. Like after it happened, I was like, why didn't I think about the fact that I have already run a fundraising campaign? Like I didn't even think about it at all until after the show was already filmed. And I was like, I, I missed an opportunity there. But uh, it was nerve wracking anyway. So as the fundraising chair for my sorority, I did the lip sync contest. That's what our sorority was known for every year was an event called Putting on the Hits. And our philanthropy, our organization was Prevent Child Abuse America. It's one of the reasons why I joined that particular sorority, Hmm. because I really wanted to be involved in the fundraising efforts and, you know, whatever I could do to contribute to it. Um, So when I decided after I got knocked out in that round, ever since, you know, the, the show aired, I'm like, what, how can, what can I do? Like I can do a fundraiser. If I could do it on the reality show, I can definitely do it on my own. Um, and I've been asking myself what's close to my heart. And then this just all kind of lined up. And I knew that April was coming up and I knew that they would be doing, um, different kinds of fundraisers for prevent child abuse America. And it just was the right time for me to, to jump in. And, um, with everything being virtual and with TikTok and reels and everything being the rage, I thought, well, this is perfect. We can do a digital lip sync battle. So there's $150 cash prize up for the lip sync battle. Um, and that's all going on on Instagram and TikTok and all of that stuff. It's fun. Oh, that is so fun. I, I mean, of course <laughs> I can, I will donate to the fundraiser, but I, I, I just want to oh, see every, you. I just want to see everybody lip sync now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've been posting some of them in my stories. And then on um, Saturday, the 17th, I'll be doing a Facebook live where I'll, I'll do like a screen share on zoom and I'll share some of them. But um, yeah, I, I get if you message me, I can link you to them. I, I don't know what people are hashtagging. I think people are hashtagging um, putting on the hits or they might be hashtagging prevent child abuse awareness month. I, I'll have to figure out how we can quickly pull them up so people can watch them. Amazing. Um, off topic from prevent child abuse. I don't want to take away from this, but our. Are we allowed to know what reality show you were on? Oh, yeah, totally. It already aired. It's nothing like big. It's an internet show. So um, I have a home-based business. Aside from all of this, I started a home-based business a couple of years ago to uh, make some money off the massage table, never really intending that that was going to go anywhere or do anything. I didn't take it seriously. And then um, things happened, and now it's awesome, and I take it very seriously. So the reality show is for network marketers. It's through a company called the Higdon Group, and the show is called Play to Win 2. So I was on season two. Um, And it's also from um, a company called Two Market Media, which they produce Mel Robbins and a bunch of other people in the self-development and like self-improvement space. So it was Ray and Hank partnering together to create this show. Um, And it's 
it's part business, part personal development. And then there's the fundraising and it's just a crazy, crazy week of events. So that is at playtowin.tv. Super fun. I feel like I'm Mm -hmm. talking to a celebrity now. (laughs) No, 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 (laughs) definitely not. Um, But you have to check that out. So highlights include, um, we have to do pitches while they are just pelting us with water guns and water balloons. That was a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And that is actually where I shared for the first time about my upbringing and the fact that I was raised in an abusive environment and how, what, could have led me down a really dark path became a springboard for me to to become the best version of myself and i really think everybody has their own version of that we all have our own obstacles and challenges in our lives and we can use them to to give back we can use them to be a, a platform to do something better and um lift others who are going through what we went through so that's also why the fundraiser as well so kelly i have a a fairly personal question for you. And again, you answer as much as you want. And um, I'm going to try to phrase this to make it make a lot of sense. But I do know some people in my life personally, who also were raised in an abusive home. And I do see some people who have, the right word is not overcame, but, you know, sort of grown from that and have been, you know, managed to, um, be be in healthy relationships and do well in their life, et cetera, et cetera. And then I know others who um, seem to always go back to this cycle. this trauma. Yeah, it's it's, it's this it's this trauma cycle, right? Yeah. So, is there a characteristic, or is there something that, or even advice, or I don't know, what do you think? makes the distinction between somebody who was born or born into an abusive home that, you know, becomes successful like you are and uses this and it becomes part of who you are, but not, but not defining you versus somebody who can't get out of this cycle of trauma. I was going to ask this exact same thing. I was going, I was in your mind. You are. I was going to ask you about this cycle, about, about, about a child that comes from an abusive home and therefore becomes very abusive, right? And Or is, continues to accept abuse. Yes, yes. The, the cycle continues. And then for everyone that the cycle didn't continue, I was like, is there is there a moment where you're like, I recognize that this is a cycle and I'm going to make a conscious effort to create a change in this? Um, awesome, interesting questions. So I think, well, I know for me, there was a point where I was growing up where I, I, we were in a grocery store and my mom was just like yelling at some woman or the grocery store clerk, or I'm not really sure who, but I remember looking at her and thinking, okay, this is exactly how I don't want to be. Hmm. And um, not, you know, not to be hurtful towards her in any way, but I remember thinking to myself, like, this is an example of not. Um so there is a point where I think you have to make a decision to not be in that cycle. But as an adult, as soon as I recognized something is not right here, um, which I had to Baker Act my mom in college. And I was like, okay, my mom, now this is, this is beyond like there's, this isn't just, okay, my mom's a little bit weird. Like this is a problem. Mm-hmm. I started getting therapy. And for me, it was talk therapy and a lot of Reiki meditation and, you know, all the holistic therapies, I really do think Reiki totally saved my life because I went to Reiki for me 
Mm-hmm. I didn't go to Reiki to add a modality. I never intended, like, you know, I went into Reiki because I, I wanted to have a tool to help myself. Um, and then that transformed into a career, which I think is kind of opposite of what some people do. But it doesn't matter if it's Reiki or meditation. It doesn't matter if it's talk therapy, if it's um, speaking to your spiritual leader at your church. Um, it doesn't matter what it is, but you have to find an outlet and process through what you, what happened in your life, or you are going to keep repeating the same cycles. You have to learn new skills and work on being better. So, um, and it's not easy. It's, you know, it's always a work in process, even for me as well. Um, but you have to make the effort and try if you want to stop the cycle, which I guess requires a certain level of awareness. And maybe some mental strength. I know that's that sounds horrible because it sounds like I'm saying, you know, if you were a victim of abuse, you need to be strong. Not maybe mental strength is the wrong word. I'll explain it further. But there's, you know, certain people who, like I said, I know personally that seem to be continuing to repeat the cycle. And even though they know, like, this, you know, this isn't right. Or, you know, you, you when you said you had that moment where you realized this is not what I want. I know somebody very well who has sort of identified that as well. Like, I don't want to turn into them. You know, speaking about her, her parents, right? I don't want to be them. I don't want to be like them. But continues to make life decisions and go through this cycle and 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 is is exactly like she them. She's more scared of what she doesn't know. She's more scared of what the unfamiliar is than than the horrors of her familiar. Well, that's that's how I've always looked at it that it's a comfort zone thing, like this is just what she knows oh, well, and yeah. whatever. But it's, you know, there's got to be, I guess, I don't know if it's an innate characteristic or an external driving force or I don't know. I don't know what it is where some people can just be like, okay, this is not what I want for my life and try to steer it away. And yes, it's not going to be easy. It's not like you're just like, this is not what I want for my life. And then, you know, everything's fine. But even though certain people can recognize this is not what I want for my life, they can't seem to stop cycling. It's... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it isn't intangible. It is. It's, it's that's what that's that Michael Jordan thing, right? Every coach will say, every coach will say they're they're not just looking for fucking skills. They're looking for that intangible, that that thing that makes this player fucking something. The it factor, right? Or maybe it goes back to that 80, 15 and 5. Yeah. Like really. And um for me, very very clearly it it involves some kind of help. Like, I think if you don't get some kind of something, some kind of therapy, it yeah. doesn't matter. You, you're you not going to break that cycle. You will that's, keep continuing. That's true. I think every single person who has dealt with any kind of trauma in their life, you don't just get over it. That's not real. That's not a thing. Like trauma stays and it exists. And that's why, you know, I'm a millennial. We're a whole generation of people who all we can do is talk about our trauma. Um, sorry, millennials, not making fun of you. I am you. Um, but unless you unless you've actually gotten help in some way regardless of of whether it's talk therapy or as you said like energy work or 
whatever it is, some sort of outlet and therapy to deal with that. It's, it doesn't just go away. You can repress it as much as you want. You can push it to the back of your mind and subconsciously you're just going to continue to repeat that's right. dangerous patterns because that's what you know. That's what exists in your brain. The negative self-talk doesn't go away. The blaming doesn't go away. It, it just exists forever and ever and ever until you deal with it. But how do you tell right, someone yeah, that? To deal. Like, how do you, how do you, t- if, as, as an outsider, how do you tell someone like, you're just going to continue doing this until you, until you decide to get help for it? So I'm that person who's just like bluntly honest with people because I, I don't know how do you say that in a nice way? You really, you, you really can't. can't. Yeah. And for me, like, if you really, really love someone, you have to say, Hey, I am so coming from a place of love and I am not trying to hurt you at all. And if what I'm about to say offends you, just, you know, pretend I never said it. I'm not trying to be offensive, but I've been observing this. You know, I love you. I'm your friend. I support you. And this is what I'm seeing. And I know that you don't want that. I know you want better. And, you know, how can I support you through this process of creating something better? But I don't know that somebody would be open to that. They might get very, very offended. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that many, many people who have dealt with trauma and maybe are not even sure of it, nobody wants to hear that, right? Like nobody wants Mm -mm. to hear um, that they're doing something wrong or nobody wants to, nobody. It's it's uncomfortable, but that's the whole thing is if you're looking to change, discomfort comes first, right? So it's uncomfortable hearing anything negative about yourself. I mean... I like to think that I deal with constructive criticism well, but I mean, Mark will tell you there's sometimes he tries to tell me something nicely and um, I, I, my claws might come out initially. And then if I take a second and breathe, I'm like, okay, let's talk. Let's figure this out. <laughs> I'll put the claws away, right? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I think I have to say that. <laughs> you probably did. <laughs> So what else do we want to talk about tonight? I think we've get, we've given all the details of the fundraiser. I'm going to go find before, what month are we in? April? We're in May, April. June, before the middle of June, I'm going to get a Reiki session done. Yes, let's do that. Let's both do that. Are you going to get an in-person Reiki session? Yes. Okay. Yeah, do it. Let me know how it goes. What, or should I be no, doing something different? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, well, what do you mean? Should I not be going what? in person? Yeah, like, who are you oh, talking no. about here? I mean, so I know it's, this is now, this is like really woo woo. I'll even admit that, but you can do distance Reiki. Mm-hmm. Um, so that some people do distance Reiki. I actually had like a business for three years where all I did was distance sessions on the phone and on Skype with people. Um, so I was just curious about what you had in your mind, but yeah, I think you should go in person and get one. I think that's great. I, I really don't have anything in my mind. I have no, I have zero expectation. Zero. That's good. Like yeah, that's none. good. You can just see what happens. Yeah. And maybe, and maybe not much will happen and sure. maybe you'll be transformed. Sure. <laughs> I, I've totally, I've had, I've definitely had people who I've done Reiki for and they're like, I felt nothing. And I'm like, okay, like, what am I going to say? I'm not going to be like, are you sure you felt nothing? Did you feel a tingling? No, it's so you might not feel anything. Um, but I'm curious, have Mark, have you ever done 
any kind of meditation or yoga or anything in that realm. I took a course in university and it was all about different relaxation techniques and shit like that. So I've done that. I didn't do well in that, man. Like there's some things that I, I responded really, really well to. And like, that's the class that I figured out. I know I can figure out how to drop my heart rate like super low. <laughs> Which has proven to be very helpful. I deal with a little bit of anxiety. And when I start like freaking out a little bit, Mark's able to get my heart rate back down. So that has, has yeah, been so very like useful. That class taught me how to how to do that kind of, but there was other things in that class that I freak out about, right? So, but nothing that's a lifestyle for me. And like the two times I've ever tried yoga, to me it was more like it's like getting on a treadmill. It's like a workout more than anything else, right? But I was doing it for that purpose. Like I just want to move and do something different that I don't yeah, normally he's do. He's never he's never done but yoga like not, in a studio yeah, with no, no, the no, whole no. environment. This is not a lifestyle thing at all. Any of these little bits of things that I've tried along the way, it was just that, just a little taste. So we shall see what happens. Yeah, I, I'm definitely curious to hear about your experience and how that goes. Um, oh, there, there's so many questions I have. Like, have you ever had, like, have you ever been on a ghost tour before? Have you ever, are you into anything like that? Or that's just like a no zone for you too? Yeah, that's a no zone for me. Really? A ghost tour? Is that what I heard you say? Yeah, ghost tour. Like, yeah. like you want to take me to Kingston Penn, that Kingston Penn tour? Is that what you're talking about? I don't know what that is, she but t- sure. She's in Orlando. She <laughs> no, I'm what talking that to is. you. I'm staring at you. This is the time I'm staring at you. Um, I don't really know about Kingston Penn, so I don't know. You, a, is that what we're talking about, though? That kind of stuff? Well, ask her. I don't well, know. Well, I'm just curious. So, Like a place like, you know is haunted and you go hang out there? Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, kind of. Like yeah. in Florida, it's more like they you know if you're in the keys or whatever you can go see Ernest Hemingway's house and like these other supposedly haunted locations not like to go to a an insane asylum and stay there all night or anything I don't mean that I right, mean right, like right. a like a, a commercial like gotcha, a fun gotcha, gotcha. Well, yeah, well, uh, you know Kingston Penn is like that there's oh, a okay. Oh, okay. penitentiary in see, Kingston Ontario that they've now like made it into like a museum you can walk through right, right, right. Like that. see I um I've never no, done anything a, like I, that. I One that time we were, when I was in Scotland with a friend, we were going to do like, you know, the underground city kind of tour. And we it just yeah. ended up not, um, not panning out with our schedule. But uh, that kind of stuff is actually... something that I have always shied away from because I grew up in a house that I I don't care how many of you fucking roll your eyes right now. I grew up in a haunted house until I was 12. And when we moved, like just the feeling from house number one, which was 100% haunted, I stand by it forever. And then the feeling in the second house, like I don't know if I ever want to be in a place with spirits and ghosts again. It was way too uncomfortable for me. it, It can be uncomfortable. It yeah. definitely can be. Um, hmm. yeah, what was me. asking because, yeah, you're saying it's not for you. I'm, I'm not surprised you're saying it's not for you, but I'm asking into this because it's to me, it's kind of all in the same realm-ish mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. Energy work is not at all, uh, you know, to do with ghosts or spirits, but right. it's a, an unseen phenomenon that people can have an experience with and we don't fully understand it. And I was just curious if, maybe you had something happen that freaked you out or something like that. Cause I've heard, I've heard this from a lot of clients right? Um, and people who would say, you know, I'm not, I'm not necessarily open to this type of thing, but Hey, yeah, I'll do a Reiki scan or I'll do a Reiki boost. And then when we get to talking, these things come up, like, you know, something weird happened that they couldn't explain and they just shut down from it. Mm-hmm. I've had so many weird, scary, like scary though, not like, I've had a few yeah, like see, that's not fun. I've had a few like um 
like spiritual encounters that were not scary. Like, for example, like somebody passing away that I was really close with and then like, you know, being 100% certain that they were like sitting in my room like after they died, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. But th- I wasn't scared because I was like, oh, that's just who, whomever, right? But right. when I was yeah, in that, that house that's, that's, when that's, I was that's, a kid. That's the normal response that would go through my head. Oh, yeah, it's just whatever. <laughs> no, well, no if, it's somebody, if it's somebody that I love and I'm not scared of, why am I scared that their spirit is in my room? I'm not scared of that. Okay. But when I was young, like growing up in this like super haunted house, um, stuff would happen that I was like, this isn't, like this isn't a good feeling. Like this is a scary kind of feeling. Like I don't like this. I don't know who's here, but I don't like them. Well, you see, that's a, that's it. another thing too. Like I don't, I don't like that sensation. I don't enjoy the sensation of being scared. Neither do I. I don't enjoy the sensation of suspense. I don't enjoy that sensation. Like I don't like horror movies, not because they're scary. I just don't enjoy the the sensation of like you know, ooh, I got I got startled. Ooh, I got scared. Or I don't enjoy the s- sensation of suspense. Like what's going to happen next? I can't wait right, to find. But, I hate that right, but, those feelings. I just don't, when she asks about, about ghost tours, like I know, ghosts, I know, I know, I know. Ghosts are not always a scary thing. It depends who the ghosts are. Like I said, when it's somebody, <laughs> I'm, I'm calling people, but you know what I mean, like spirits oh. or whatever. Like they're not always scary. Some are not scary, but you know, like I said, I, I grew up I in a very that. scary, like haunted place. It mm. was terrifying, and. And no matter how many times I told my parents, like, there are ghosts here. We need to leave. Like, of course, they're like, all right, little seven-year-old, you're insane. I'm like, no, there are ghosts here. We need to leave. <laughs> and when we finally left and I was 12, as soon as we moved into the other house, it was like instantly like different feeling. Okay, this place is not haunted. See, and so you, you keep describing, so, saying it very interesting, like a different feeling. It feels differently to you. So you're open to that aspect of you so you're in that michael jordan percentage yes I was of the to spiritual be realm yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> you your dream has come true you're the michael my, jordan of spirituality my dream has come true I'm way over there <laughs> well that's the thing as i said i i understand it i've just never really um i guess dove right into it so it's it's interesting to me and i think i should probably go for a session with a Reiki master and see what happens. Can these powers be used for evil instead of good? Powers? They're not powers. She's not Can like Elsa. Can these powers be used for <laughs> evil instead of good? So if we define evil, so uh, we have to define that, right? So for me, there is service to the greater good, service to the whole, and then there's service to yourself. And I think when you are serving yourself and putting me first, me first to an extreme extent, not to like a healthy, right? Cause you have to fill up your cup. I don't mean that, but when you are putting yourself forward to the extent that you will uh, harm other people, then I think that's where you cross the line. So can it be used for evil? It really depends on your definition, but can someone doing Reiki put bad vibes in you? not to my knowledge, like your spirit and your soul would have to accept that. And if, if we're in the realm of Reiki, then we have to ex- say like in this realm, we're accepting for sake of argument that there is a soul and a spirit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your spirit has an intelligence and that intelligence is not going to allow any negative things if it were to be that way. I, I don't buy into that. I don't believe that there's a good energy and a bad energy. I don't, I don't really believe in good or evil. It's crazy to say that. I know that, but, um, I believe that there is, like I said, that service to yourself or service to the the collective Hmm. higher good. 
service to the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just all energy. There's not a, well, I mean, Mark is a huge Star Wars fan, so he just understands the, the force. The force. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, um I didn't know this until recently, but George Lucas wrote them, right? I'm not that's the person who wrote it. I'm about to sound really dumb about Star Wars, but you got you got to ask Mark. He, I only know Star Wars because of him. <laughs> Mark, he he wrote the books, right? Not just directed the films. He wrote it. He wrote them. I think. Okay, yeah. But very recently, somebody told me that he actually read a lot of like Eastern philosophy and ancient kind of like um, warrior ideologies. So the things about the Force, they they're really talking about chi. Like it really comes from these ancient writings about chi and it's amazing so yeah that's pretty cool even the way he names his fucking characters even the way he names his jedis is so freaking asian it's insane give me an example Qui-Gon Jin. right okay <laughs> all right obi-wan what am i saying <laughs> when mark and i first met so in uh in 2008 one one weekend he said to me you ever watch Star Wars? I said, no, I've never watched any of them. I have no interest. I don't care. And he's like, will you watch them? Like, what do you mean? Will I? He said, well, so I didn't, he had come to my house. He was spending the weekend at my house and he brought all six, all six episodes. And he's like, I want you to watch these with me in order and tell me that you're like, that this isn't interesting. I'm like, okay, I really like this guy. All right, let's do this. <laughs> but I actually got really into it. We watched all six. I was entertained the entire time. But here's the difference between myself and Mark. Now that I've seen them all, and we've even, we've even seen every movie that's come out since then, now that I've seen them all, like, I'm good. I know the story. I'm good. He likes to rewatch them and watch them over and over and that's over. That's just how I watch movies. I yeah no. I've got I've got a handful of favorite movies that and I just watch them on fucking cycles. Yeah, right? so he always wants to watch Star Wars. And I'm like, oh, okay, fine. No, that that's one. <laughs> They're of them. so long. Maybe that's why I don't care. They're so long. <laughs> I'm Team Amanda. I saw them. I'm good. Like <laughs> I appreciate them for what they are, and and don't get me wrong, they're beautifully made, and it's a great storyline. But I'm I'm good. You know what it I is. I also feel that way about Lord of the Rings. Like, oh, I couldn't even get through. Good for you, Kelly. I couldn't even get through it. That was the second, the second series he tried to get me into. I don't know. I got maybe an hour into the first movie, and I'm like, can you pull my eyeballs out now? Like all they're doing is fucking walking. They're walking. I'm they're so walking. over this. They're just walking. Just walking around. <laughs> I, no, I'm the same with Lord of the Rings. I can't watch that like crazy. But the the movies that I can watch like crazy, it's because I see something a little different every fucking time I watch it. That is There's true. always like, oh, wow, I didn't notice that. Or wow, I thought, you know, or, or ooh. You know what I mean? There's always something a little different every yeah. fucking time. Yeah, so it's like I'm watching true. a different movie. And and the perfect part is the suspense and all that shit is cut out because I know how it ends. So he now really I, does so, hate suspense. So now I can just enjoy a fucking film for the, the director shots that are used, right? For the the all the acting that's going on, even with even with the extras in the background. Do you know what I mean? Because I I don't have to pay attention to yeah, storyline as that. much. So now yeah. I can I can I can get into the the other parts of the film. That is true because we sometimes do like to watch whether it's TV shows, movies, even music videos, like we like to watch them and really break down everything that's happening, you know, the lighting choices, the sound like the sound mm-hmm. bites that happen. Even like, like the questions as to like do you think that was ad-libbed a little bit? Do you think that's the way yeah. it was written on the script? Like what do you think was done in that scene? We do love doing that. So someone I can opens a drawer, someone opens yeah. a drawer in a, in a TV show, I'm like 
what writer decided that those were the books that were going to be placed in there? Do you know what I mean? Like stupid things like that. <laughs> yeah. But you would never do that on the one over. You, you know, that yeah, comes around the fine. seventh, eighth time you're watching a movie. I don't know. There's something about Star Wars you're that right. I'm like, I, I, now I'm, I'm over it. So sorry. Can't do it. How about Harry Potter? Have you watched Harry Potter, Kelly? I didn't even read the books. I've never read the yes. books. I've never watched Harry Potter. I have no idea what that whole like cult is about. They're not on my repeat list, but I definitely am a Harry Potter fan more than I would be a, a Star Wars fan. To me, it's like, it's like metaphysics for kids. It's self-realization, you know, coming of age story. But I love it. I think it's great. What age would you say is appropriate? Because I'm thinking like that's something my daughter, my oldest daughter, she's young still, but um, she'll be turning seven this summer. And she's becoming quite an avid reader. And I remember a lot of my friends with older kids, their kids really getting into reading Harry Potter as they got a little bit older. What age would you say she could actually read Harry Potter and understand enough to understand the storyline. So like the first three books, I think it starts out when they're like 11. Okay. So, so they are 11 year old characters and stuff. Yeah, I would wait. I was reading them in like high school, but that was when they first came out. You know, I think it's different now, but um, I would wait. I think I've seen like an eight year old reading them, but I think he's a very smart eight year old. Well, uh, maybe books one through three. Yeah. But once like the fourth and fifth book happened, the storyline actually starts getting a little bit dark. And oh. I just don't, I'm not a parent, but I don't know how appropriate or not it is. It's, there's nothing that's like, I don't know, there's nothing that's like sexual or anything like that. But I don't know how um, how scary it might be. For My children are afraid of everything. So she's definitely going to wait until she's at least 10 or 11 to read those. Yeah, <laughs> she's afraid of I would everything. Well, good. Good to know. Um, before we let Kelly go back to her regular life in warm Orlando and we're here in raining, freezing <laughs> Toronto, are there any other questions you have either about Reiki or about the fundraiser? This was really good. This was fucking a fun episode. Yeah, and this we, was fun. And and we talked some some serious stuff yeah, too. Fun. And we got deep about stuff. And like this was all over the map. And I love these fucking talks. So one more time for um, everybody listening. Can you, is, you said Facebook's the best way to reach you, right? So for everybody listening, it's Kelly Raya R, what is it? R-A-I-A. Light, like light switch. Yes. <laughs> you yes. can find her on Facebook yes. if you are interested in learning more about the fundraiser, seeing some fun lip sync battles. And fun fact, before we do go tonight, I entered a lip sync competition when I was a, what were they called then? Oh my God, what was I? Um, girl guide. Thank you. That's, okay. That took me a minute. I was in a lip sync competition okay. when I was a girl guide. We did this like uh, I think it might have been for charity. We did like an all nighter. We had to stay up all night. It was all different. Like, um, I don't know what they were called. Like, let's say it, in Girl Scouts, I know they're like troops. I don't know what we were called, but like different branches of girl guides. Okay. And we were all in this one place and we had to stay up all night. And there was all these games and there was a lip sync battle. Okay. And my best friend and I were on the same team and we entered this lip sync battle and we were so tired and we didn't practice and we totally bombed the whole thing. It was a okay, disaster. So my question for both of you guys then, both of you guys, what would be your favorite song? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that. I don't have an answer. What would lip sync to? Kelly, you first. Right? I've got nothing. If you had to pick today. Um, I did mine with uh, two bombs over Baghdad. Okay. Nice. 
I just now yeah. changed my mind. Yeah. I would do Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Good choice. So my, I almost did Whitney Houston, uh, the greatest love of all, because nice. I believe the children are our future. Yeah. But no, I had to, I had to turn up a little bit. I sang that once on a sick kid's telethon. Well, I didn't sing. They let me play an instrument. I don't have a very good voice. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are funny. Well, I can't wait to see your performance of Bombs Over Baghdad. Such an interesting choice, but <laughs> super fun. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I awesome. just wanted to do something fun. I love hip hop and Outkast. Yeah, but I wish we could get a video of your lip sync. I'd love to see the the one that you oh, actually it was, bombed. It was so bad. I, I mean, how old are you when you're a girl guide, Mark? Probably, I have was no probably... Idea. I've never been one. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I was probably Anytime. I was probably like 10 or 11, I guess. Like I was young. And I'm trying to remember. There's a girl guide what, after, after a brownie. There's a brownie. Yes, it's, it goes sparks, then brownies, then girl guides, then pathfinders. Pathfinders, gotcha. you're older, like probably 12 plus. So I was probably okay. like 10 or 11. And I want to say I did, I did a boys to men song, I think. I don't know. I did a, a dance to Motown Philly in grade three. Mm. <laughs> anyway, Kelly, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Oh, thank you for having me. This was great. Right on. This was fun. Thanks for hanging out. Right on. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace.